So I've gone through all of this and you're telling me this baby is not going to come today. And that's when you have to coach yourself. And I had to reground myself and say, Amy, this is going to happen when this baby is ready to come out. This timing is not up to me. This is out of my hands. So I just have to stay positive and stay the course. Hi, I'm Amy Kiefer, a nurse, doula, and personal trainer. And I'm Crystal Howell, a women's health and orthopedic physical therapist. We're the co-founders of Expecting and Empowered, and we just so happen to be sisters. We built this business because we saw a huge gap between the information that women were given during pregnancy and postpartum and the information that they need. We're committed to helping close the gap so that women are better equipped to navigate these demanding and challenging years. Yes, we're both moms of three, so we know firsthand how many changes women go through physically, mentally, and emotionally because women aren't getting enough information to make informed decisions about their own health. It leaves mothers picking up the pieces afterwards. We need that to change. With our professional backgrounds, we're going to pull the curtain back on this season and give you the information you need to thrive. We're on a mission to change women's health. Let's do this. My name is Amy Kiefer. I am a co-founder of Expecting and Empowered. And today I am going to tell you the story of my second son's birth. His name is Trey Daniel. And I will say out of my three births, this one was my favorite. I'm not choosing a favorite child, but if I had to have another labor and delivery, this is certainly the one that I would choose. So I'm excited to tell you about it today. Just like most birth stories, it doesn't start when I went into labor. It actually starts way back when I was visiting my OB for my regular appointments. I tested GBS positive, which is a strain of bacteria that was found in my urine early in pregnancy. And so from that point, we knew that I would need at least one dose of antibiotics four hours before the baby was born. I just want to be really honest here that this made me worried and The reason it made me worried was because with Max, my first son, and his birth story is back on episode three. I'm such an active laborer. So I knew that being hooked up to an IV pool was not my ideal situation. So I did ask my OB a lot of questions about being GBS positive. I wanted to see the research that said that the antibiotic lessened any risk to the baby. So she printed it off. I read through it. I did agree that it would make sense to get the antibiotic. Another reason that this came into play is because with Maxwell, our first child, the labor went pretty fast in terms of a first-time mom giving birth. So my OB wanted me to know that, you know, typically when we see that, that also might happen again. So this time, we're really going to want you to come to the hospital when your contractions are 10 minutes apart. And so that's a discussion, you know, you have with your practitioner on what your plan is for when they want you to come into the hospital. A lot of times you hear that five minute apart rule, but if you've had a fast labor in the past, 
your practitioner might have a different decision as minded, or maybe they wouldn't. You know, that's one of those things you just never know. So have those discussions. Make sure that you both feel comfortable with the decision. So now let's go into the birth story. The morning of November 10th, I woke up and I was 39 weeks pregnant, 39 weeks, one day pregnant. The day before, I had gone to my regular OB appointment, and I am a woman that does like to get my cervix checked at the end of pregnancy. For me, it's just curiosity. I know it's not a linear process, but I do like to hear if there's any change. So when I had gotten my cervix checked and it had matched exactly what they said the week before, I felt a little bit like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be pregnant forever. And I'm sure that a lot of you can relate to that. But I did know that, okay, that's not true. I'm not going to be pregnant forever. And also the whole pregnancy, I really was mentally preparing myself to go over 40 weeks. Our first son came at 40 weeks one day. So I knew that, you know, it's very possible to go overdue. I don't want to get my hopes up. I really want my mind to know we might be in this for the long haul. But the very next morning after that appointment, I woke up and I started having contractions. We had a 17 and a half month year old at the time. That's Max. And my husband was up and he was getting ready for work. So I did start paying attention to these nagging cramps. It should be said that I am a woman that experiences a lot of contractions at the end of pregnancy. My OB has told me, you just have a hostile uterus. You know, you're very active. At the time, I was still at my nursing job. I had a toddler. I was doing the expecting empowered workouts. Like I was a very active person. So I know that I shouldn't get too excited when I started to have contractions. But I will say these contractions do feel just a little bit different to me, more of like a nagging cramp instead of a tightening. So I let my husband know, Drew, I think, I don't know, I think that I might be in labor. I woke up, I'm having these contractions. They feel much more crampy than all of the Braxton Hicks. So Drew and I then had to decide, is he going to go to work today or what should we do? So another big part of Trey's birth story is that he is our second child. There was a lot more to consider this time around. Last time it was just Drew and I, you know, we knew that we could get to the hospital when I needed to, all the things. This time we're planning, okay, we have Maxwell. We have to make sure that there's someone to watch him before we go to the hospital. Also, as I talked about earlier, my OB wanted me to call and then come in when my contractions were 10 minutes apart. We also knew that I was GBS positive, so we needed to be there four hours before the baby came. So guess what happens? Maxwell wakes up with pink eye. I call the clinic as soon as it opens, which was 8 a.m., and I tell them, okay, he has this eye, it's pink, it was crusted shut when he woke up. The good news is, is that they could send a prescription based on his symptoms to the local pharmacy. The challenging news was 
he's considered contagious and he's not supposed to be around any other children for 24 hours. Well, our local woman that we were going to call when I went into labor, Maria, which is Drew's cousin's wife, she has a child. She's the only one I had set up in town. Now, I have a couple neighbors that I would trust. However, they all have small kids as well. So the timing of Max's pink eye was just comical because it really limited our choices for who could take care of our child. So we have this all on our plate and we're just trying to make the best decisions that we could. We decided that Drew could go ahead and go to work and that I would just call him when things started to feel closer together. I think at that time, most of the contractions were about 15 minutes apart, but they weren't yet completely regular. So sometimes it was a little bit longer than that. So Drew goes off to work. I am home with our son that day. And one of the things that we needed to do was go fill that prescription and get it. So we are at Walgreens in line getting the prescription. I'm talking to the pharmacist tech and I get this really strong contraction. So I am breathing through this contraction and a smile just comes over my face and I think, okay, This is truly the first time that I can feel the demand of two children. One is still on the inside of me and Max is here in his car seat waiting for his mom to get his medication. So now we're kind of getting into late morning, midday. I had a string of very strong contractions. They were still only 15 minutes apart, but they were painful. I was breathing through them. So I'm starting to think, okay, I really think that this is it. Things are getting stronger. They are getting more consistent. And I'm pretty sure that this is going to happen. I get home from Walgreens and all of it, when I go to the bathroom, I have this like, I wipe and there's this big, goop. (laughs) I don't know how else to describe it on the toilet paper. And so because I am a nurse and I have nurse friends, I text a picture to my friend, Amanda, who is a labor and delivery nurse at the time. And she says, that is definitely your mucus plug. She said, it's a sign that things are changing, but it doesn't necessarily mean that this is for sure labor. So I always like to add tangible takeaways to the episode. So when your mucus plug comes out, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are in labor, but there are changes happening to your cervix. So it is a really good sign if you're at a point where you're ready to have your baby. So mucus plug comes out, my contractions are getting stronger, and I start to think, okay, I really think this is showtime. Now, I don't want to paint the picture that I was in denial, but I have just always, I said this in the last episode, Max's birth story, I never wanted to call a a false alarm. Obviously not the worst thing in the world, but in this situation, we're calling my parents to come and watch Max. They're an hour and 15 minutes away. You know, my husband's at work. Like I do feel that pressure of, you know, not making a mistake. 
I wish I could have gone back in time and just taken that off my shoulders and said, like, everyone loves you, Amy. They're going to forgive you if you are not actually in labor. You know what I mean? So I just want to, I hope that you guys can know that happens to a lot of people. It is perfectly normal for someone to go to the hospital and get sent home and that's not their time. So I say, you know what? I really do have to make the best decisions for my family. So I call my parents at that time. I told my dad, I said, you know, I'm not positive, but I would just really love it if you guys came just in case I have to leave quickly. So my dad comes into town around 4 p.m. And Drew had his whole workday. My husband had his whole workday and he came home around 5 p.m. So at this point, it's my dad, my husband, my toddler, and I. Drew makes us dinner. I knew that I didn't want to eat too much just because I had experienced vomiting during my last labor. So I took it easy, but we did watch basketball. We played with Max. We visited. I know this doesn't sound ideal to every woman, but for me, it took my mind off focusing so much on the time between the contractions. I was just there with three people that I love so, so much. And I knew I was safe. I was with them. You know, whatever was going to happen was going to happen. So I would occasionally start breathing through a contraction because like I said, they were getting a little bit stronger. And it was really adorable because my dad and Drew would always notice. And they would look at me with just like these really sweet, concerned eyes. I had my running watch going, and that's how I was timing the contraction. So at this point, they were still anywhere between 10 and 20 minutes apart. From 7 p.m. to 7.30, I'll never forget, I had zero contractions. And I have to admit, I thought, Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. So I've gone through all of this and you're telling me this baby is not going to come today. And that's when you have to coach yourself. And I had to reground myself and say, Amy, this is going to happen when this baby is ready to come out. This timing is not up to me. This is out of my hands. So I just have to stay positive and stay the course. The next thing I know, I have four contractions in a row that were so strong and they were eight minutes apart. I quickly called my OB and I told her the whole story of the day. You know, contractions started at seven. They've been getting more consistent. They've been getting more painful. And apparently my labor wanted to skip the 10 minute apart step and go right to eight. Now, This happened to be the most perfect timing because she confirmed, I really want you to come in right now. I think that you guys should make your way in. But I got to put my firstborn, Max, to bed. And I can't tell you how much that meant to me. Like, Here's my firstborn child. Like so many moms, I was worried about this transition for him. You know, he's little, he's 17 and a half months. He doesn't know that I've been having these contractions all day. He just knows here's his mom. 
and she is putting me to bed and everything in my world is okay. So I laid him down. I kissed him goodnight. At that point in his life, he was really easy to put to sleep. And that is the last time that I saw him as my only baby. And like I said, to this day, which is four and a half years later, I just felt like it was so special that I got to do that and have that moment, just the two of us, before I left to go have his sibling. So Drew and I left for the hospital and we got to triage around 9 p.m. My contractions at this point were six minutes apart. I was definitely breathing through them. I was squatting through them. If you listen to my last birth story, you know that that is my favorite labor move. So the nurse checked me and my cervix was at a five. And at 9.30, they got me into my delivery room. They had my IV antibiotic flowing and I was in game time labor mode. You know, from both of the nurses and their interaction, I was really getting the sense that everyone thought that this labor was going to go pretty fast. So for the next hour or so, I was breathing and squatting through my contractions. I want to mention that I just worked with the IV pole. I had built that up in my mind as this big barrier, but then in actuality, I just had it right next to me. Obviously, the IV was in my arm. It was comfortable. It was not too cumbersome. So I did want to add that because I know there's other moms that have also been really worried about having an IV. I had not had any medication in Max's labor. So I knew that for me, my pain relief was going to be a lot of the same stuff that I had done the first time. So I had already moved into my active breathing and squatting. And I knew how much relief the tub was the last time. So right before shift change, (laughs) like the nurse that I am, I just wanted to make sure that the nurse had enough time to get me in the bath and it didn't hold up the end of her shift. So I asked her to draw a bath for me. She suggested that I put a waffle pad behind my head for a pillow. I didn't do that last time, but I thought this time, you know, these nurses know what they're talking about. I'm going to go ahead and try that. So this second time, I did use the tub a little bit differently from the first. With my nurse's suggestion, I laid my head down between contractions. So when a contraction would come on, I would pull myself up sit up, breathe through it, like work with the contraction, taking nice, deep breaths. This time, I was much less focused on my running watch. So I wasn't even timing my contractions because I just didn't feel the need to do it this time. I knew I could work through them. I knew I could breathe through them. When the contraction would then go away, I would lay my head back down onto this waffle cushion and I would kind of be floating in the water. I will say I just felt so much more in control during this second labor. I had been through the process. I knew what it was like. I wasn't uttering phrases like, I'm scared or I don't know what, I don't know if I can do this. This time there was this calm, confidence. And I was so quiet during this labor. 
wasn't something I planned on. It was just something that happened, something that felt right. I was just listening to my body and my mind. So I think during that whole intense part of the labor, I think I probably said four sentences. And truly, those sentences were answering questions that the doctors or the nurses were asking me. I really felt like, okay, this is me. It's the water. It's this baby and my amazing husband, Drew sat right next to me. And because I was being so quiet, he was being so quiet. So I knew he was right there. But it was just this knowing that it was just this knowing. So that was awesome. And I can tell you guys, if you remember, the tub felt even better this time around. Between the contractions, I was completely zen. It's going to be hard for you to believe because I know it was really hard for me to believe, but I kept falling asleep between the contractions. I was floating in the water. You know, my head was safe above water. And for whatever reason, my body was just falling asleep between contractions. Drew, my husband, could not believe his eyes. And Drew and I didn't talk about what had happened, the Zen falling asleep until much after the next part of the story that's coming up. But I'll never forget that Zen feeling between contractions. It wasn't something I planned on. It wasn't something I researched. It's just giving way to the labor story and what is going to happen during that time. Like I said, we had gotten to the hospital at nine. It's now 1150 and my contractions are near constant. At this point, I was sitting up the whole time. There was no more Zen in me. It was intense. I quietly but firmly said the F word three times in a row. And my husband said, I think that the baby is super close. He said, I didn't even realize this, but he said, with Max and with Trey, I had done that. I start swearing at the very end when it's very intense. All of a sudden, I felt this very intense pressure and I knew that my baby was coming into the world. This was our second child and we hadn't found out the sex of this baby. So everything is happening. I know I'm about to meet this baby. Drew and the nurse had to help me stand up. I literally wanted to stop at the toilet and give birth in the bathroom again, but they had another plan. They pretty much whisked me 12 steps till I was to right beside the hospital bed. They just really wanted me out of that room so that everyone had enough space to operate. I said, I need to push. And I put my hands on the bed in this bent over position. Drew said I looked like the center on a football team that was about to hut the football. The doctor said, no, Amy, I really still need to check you since I hadn't been checked since triage. She did. And she goes, okay, we're having a baby. My water simultaneously broke like a water balloon under such heavy pressure And I immediately pushed with the next contraction. 
on my first push, the baby came about halfway out of me and Drew said, Amy, you are almost there. I tucked my chin and I knew that I could get this baby out with another push. The baby came and he cried immediately upon coming into the world. Drew, my husband, said, it's a boy. And there Trey was hanging right between my legs. His cord was so short that the nurse had to crouch between my legs. She was holding our baby. And Drew came over and cut his cord and I got into bed and Trey was on my chest and he would stay there for a long, long time. From the time I had exited that bathtub into the time we met our Trey Daniel, it was no more than five minutes. It was intense. It was it was crazy. And the doctors didn't even have time to put their garb on, which means the gown and the gloves and everything. She only had time to get her gloves on. The water and the blood went all over the floor because there was just one little pad that was down there to catch all of it. The attending ended up catching our baby because the resident was very overwhelmed by how that, and I do not blame him at all. It was a very chaotic ending to that delivery. I had about zero warning that I was that close. I just had felt that pressure and I knew it was time to have Trey. So I had such a big high after his birth. Like I said, I think it's runner's high times a million. It was bliss. Of course, it was painful, but there was something about the knowing that the pain is productive, the knowing that I had worked through that pain before. I knew it was a necessary part of the process and for me getting to my baby. So Trey Daniel entered the world. It was November 11th, 2017. He weighed eight pounds, two ounces. He was 21 inches long, which matched his older brother's exact stats, except for that he was two ounces more at birth. Trey was two ounces more. So it was one of the best experiences of my entire life. I think that the takeaways from Trey's birth story is that there is this knowing. And I think especially if it's your second time, third time, understanding the process can really help you along the way. One of the reasons that we made our labor and delivery course is this birth experience because I needed to be able to spread the word on pain interventions aside from medication. Nothing wrong with medication if that's what you want, but the power that that water had over me in that birth was something that I want to spread far and wide. So if you enjoyed this birth story, I would love it if you shared it in your Instagram stories taking us at expecting and empowered. We're always on the lookout to give moms a coffee gift card or another prize. So we will certainly do so when we see those shares. Thank you so much for listening to Trey's birth story today.